things. In the creative industry, you have to love what you're doing to do it well. If you don't, then it, then that doesn't work. Yeah, be an accountant. No. Yeah. Welcome to another episode of Spotlight with John Wally from Uspace, uh, based in Manchester. On today's podcast, we're going to be talking about creative diversity and thinking and how to break into the creative industry. Welcome today. You've, you've got like a really varied background. You're a... You look experienced. <laughs> you look like you look. I'm not sure how to take you, that. You look, you look well. Let's take it as in the nature it's meant. You, you, you've got the same haircut, so there you go. Um, to just give us a little bit of a background into you and your business. Okay, so um, I am former exec creative director of an agency that's uh, based in Manchester, London, Mumbai. Still is. Um, bit of thoughtful space and time during the first lockdown led me to kind of have a bit of a rethink about remaining in agency world. Um, I haven't. I now work very closely with the founder of a, a really, really innovative co-working space in Manchester. It's a co-working space where we run an incubator program. We encourage startups, uh, freelancers, SMEs, We've got private office spaces, so we've got like small to medium-sized businesses. We've got lots and lots of different people all in different stages of development, and it's fascinating. And we bring in um, six businesses at a time on our incubator program. I also operate as an independent creative, helping people to build, uh, grow, and communicate their brands. So that is, um, obviously, you've got like the WeWorks uh, model for oh, it's way better than cre- yeah for for for, uh, uh, for creative uh, for creative industries like the we we works model Manchester's quite unique in the sense that is that always been a um, like culturally music football fashion yeah. it's oh it's it's his own ecosystem isn't it so yes. is that very much tailored to the Manchester business community and the, it, the market? The space that we have kind of began its life that way, but um, it's evolved to be something um, something broader. So we've got people from, we've got agency, we've got social media agency, we've got a content agency, personal branding agency. Yeah. Um, we've got all of those in there, yeah. but we've got recruitment company, um, health and wellbeing, um, a yoga instructor, uh, graphic designers, um, we've even got a team of accountants, somebody building a game platform, um, a massive gaming industry publishing business with 30-something people in it. So it's quite a diverse community. It's really, really interesting. It's evolved. And do you think that, um, I think one of the uh, uh, that one of the questions that we've got is like around um, getting into the creative industry. Do you think... It's randomly, it's still hard, isn't it? It's like, it's still hard to get into it. It's like, you, we get we get a lot of applications and we get a lot of people come to interview and they talk about how they've really struggled yeah. to get into the into the creative industry. Do you think, uh, like, that kind of initiative where you've got, like, the incubator, do you think that's a way, and do you think that's where some, he's saying people from Manchester, we've got similar things here in Nottingham, not quite on that level. That's where I always end up pointing people. 
Is that a good way of getting a foothold into a creative space, creative job? I mean, without kind of pointing the finger at higher education, um, I think... Please do. <laughs> it, it does have a tendency to want to label its grads, and the grads kind of come out of that system feeling like they have to join a queue of people wearing the same label that says, I'm this, I'm that, or I'm the other. And I think... One of the things, the hardest part of getting into the creative industry is, is just breaking that first entry point. And once you're in, then I think you need to lose, anyone entering needs to lose that label as fast as possible. And they need to have a good route around and a good ferret and see what they like, see what they love, see what really they feel like they can add value to and that they enjoy and move around into different spaces. Because the creative industry, you know, you, you used to always have these kind of channels. Okay, I'm going to pick a camera up. I'm going to start using a Mac. Um, I'm going to get a video camera or I'm going to start writing code. And I think all those lines are blurred and all those edges are breaking down now. I and I think people, once they get inside, need to, need, to, need to spend time exploring and investigating and not necessarily conforming to the label that's been stuck on them by higher education. And I do do some lecturing at MMU. Um, I'm, I'm doing one on Friday. And I know that some of the more senior people at the university there would agree with, with what I'm saying. But there's kind of, there's a legacy system. And I think it's difficult to understand what the solution to that is because you've got to teach people to be something. Mm. But I think once you have, you've then got to give them the freedom, not necessarily to be that, but to be within the space where it exists. I think a lot of creative people are there's not jobs for them in a true creative capacity. It's changing because of the nature of content, as you've explained, with uh, the types of people that are in um, in your in your uh, workspace. It's, it's definitely changing. But there's locally here, there's still not enough jobs, even though we're in a candidate-heavy market. There's still not enough marketing jobs, believe it or not. And I think one of the th- <clears throat> one of the things that we do well here, <clears throat> as a Way I, a piece of advice I would give in someone looking into the getting into a creative space is look for unusual jobs, as in the company are positioning the job differently. And what I mean by that yeah. is, so when we get them to apply here, um, we actually get them to make the content. So part of the job application, it literally says like experience, ideal skills ideal would be nice if you did have this or you did have that and you did have this however if you can do these five simple tasks underneath and do them well we'll consider your application so it encourages creative people to look at it and go i don't have that i don't have that but if i do these five tasks i might get an interview look for opportunities where people are actually trying to get you to be creative in the job interview i think as i agree with you about higher education a lot of the recruitment companies that we we consult with we say your job specs are crap. Like, that's not speaking to a creative person. That's filling in a brief to match a algorithm that puts you on the top of Indeed. Like, you're never going to find the person trying to get at the top of the Indeed well, algorithm. It's a queuing system. It's a queuing system. And I think, I think there has to be that belief in people coming out of the higher education system or apprenticeships. I think you know, there's a lot to be said for apprenticeships. I'm, I'm, I'm a product of one myself. And I think I think that that was back in the day when apprentices were around the first time. Yeah. But you know they're back, and yeah, I think, yeah, I think yeah. they're 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 an excellent alternative. 
and I think that you know they, they they produce really good opportunities for people. But I think if you look at either way, once people once people find their way into the industry, however they might do that, I think they have to then be given a landscape to explore rather than a line to toe in the first in the first kind of formative years of that career so that they can find their sweet spot and that's when they do their best things. In the creative industry, you have to love what you're doing to do it well. If you don't, then it, then that doesn't work. Yeah, be an accountant. Yeah. Yeah. And <clears throat> we think um, the, so the next question looks at like comfort zone. I, I feel with regards to the creative industry, this exists in two, two capacitors. You've got pre-job and then actually getting the job. So I think you've got to push yourself out of your comfort zone because you hear it all the time, oh, I'm a creative, I can't find a job. Are you pushing yourself outside your comfort zone enough in the first place? So you, how important do you think it is to push yourself outside of your comfort zone both in the application process and during the your career massively i i can i can think of i can think of a couple of examples that uh, anecdotal examples that i was when i was with the agency i was hiring someone to work in the, the kind of photographic production side of the business and we had a couple of um let's say fierce confident producers that she would have to work with and and this young girl came, she had all the qualifications, she had the determination, she had the ambition, but I honestly thought, you'll get eaten alive by, by the other two. <laughs> I'm not going to name names to, to protect the innocent, but they'll, you know, they'll eat you for breakfast because you're quite gentle. But, um, so I said, look, you know, eventually I said, you can't, I'm not going to give you the job. So she contacted and said, okay, look, let me prove you wrong. Let me let me come in, work for a couple of weeks for free, and I'll prove you wrong. And she did, and now she she's like a massively successful producer in London. So I was wrong, she was right, yeah. and because she was given the landscape to prove the point, she she flourished. We had a we had a guy come in from um, from a really good university with a fantastic um, CV, graphic design portfolio, opened a portfolio look through it and he said to me what do you think i said it's crap it's one of the worst things i've ever seen it's like you're joking i said no it's awful i've got to be honest with you it's dreadful you won't get a job with that portfolio it's like hmm i said but the, in there i said there's some nice there's some really nice imagery did you shoot he said yeah no i really like photography so i said okay we've got a job going here right now as a as a photographer's assistant why don't you give that a go He's like, I don't even know what that is. So I called the photographer's assistant and said to him, tell him what that is. And he said, okay, I'll give it a go. He is now a successful photographer in London. And I know they, these might sound a little yeah, bit Walt Disney, these examples, but they're, you know, they're true. And it's, it's only to prove the point that if you give people, once they're in, if you give them more avenues to go down than, than they necessarily believe is possible, then, then things happen. Yeah. Like when we first hired, when I first hired here, I looked at the, the candidate market, what I actually needed in terms of the skills. I told people that I was just going to employ graduates. I was like, I'm only going to employ graduates. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, so I'm going to form a relationship with Trent Uni and I'm going to get the best graduates out of Trent Uni to come and work here. They were like, I don't know which, I don't know if you like football and I don't know which side of the city that you are. I love football and I'm very red Liverpool. Are you Liverpool? Yeah. Well, that's fair enough. This is not that great we're about to say anyway. 
But I said, <laughs> I said, uh, we hate all Manchester clubs. But I said, I said, oh, I've not even had anybody. And I said, oh, they said that Alex Ferguson would never win anything with kids. And then he went on and won the league with a bunch of kids. Yeah, he did. And I said, my theory, my theory is, I, said, I can't get any senior people to apply for a job here because they're looking at it as like start up working with this bloke whatever for the graduates they got no experience of work but they got more skill than me on the phones on the computers you know, right quicker than me and it, everything's faster yeah. so i was like maybe i've just got to teach them how to work and use a different different techniques so obviously uh, you, you put the jobs out there, they have to think outside of their comfort zone, is that the type of job I want for me? But then when they do come to work, or when they started work, as these two are testimony to, they're outside the comfort zone because they're probably doing a job that in their mind they perceive is for somebody way more qualified than them. But you say to them, oh no, you can't do this job, you just don't have any concept of coming to work. Like, And in 12 weeks, our teaching at working is quite straightforward. Nine till 5.30-ish. Like, you get a bit of lunch. If you're late, you're told off. You know, you get in what you put out, you turn up early, you go home a bit late, you get a pay rise, you get promoted. It's kind of the way that the world works. Yeah. I'm watching them go through that period and then, then them go, oh, actually, I can do this. And it is just, that bit's just that experience of coming to work. So it's an interesting concept that, that what you talk about, very similar here. We just employ grads, easy to do, easy to pick what you want, easy. You know that they can do TikToks, videos, stories, they're just wet when it comes to like coming to work. Like, I know you have to be on time when you come to work. It's not a lecture. Like, it's roughly nine o'clock, you've got to be here. Like, and they're like, really? Like, not these two. But in the past, when they're like, well, I have to be here at nine. You're like, yeah. Like, well, not ten past. Like, no, like one minute two, preferably. Uh, and that's worked for us. Like, that's that's really that's really helped us grow up, grow our business. And I also think if opportunity. You, if you, if you've gone through that process of. of three or four years at university and you've applied yourself and you've graduated, then that demonstrates a level of commitment in, in the first itself, place. Yeah, 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 yeah. It does. Yeah, in itself. It really does. One of the things that I think is a, a big problem that society has today, um, both in a career, but also definitely when you're like looking at uh, entrepreneurialism as a route for your life, because it is a way of life. It's not a career. No one sensible would choose to be an entrepreneur. It's not a sensible career choice. It's not a job description. No, it's not sensible at all. (laughs) And we are um, blinded by the the notion of success now. It's presented to us so differently uh, online. And when I started this business, Instagram was only really just being launched. So you didn't even have the grand generation of success. And I think for me, starting out, um, as an as you know, as an entrepreneur and leaving a job, I think to me success at that point looked like earning the same salary that I earned when I quit my job and started start my business. So obviously, quit my job and literally left a great job with great salary and a car and all of that shit, and I've never got back to that point. Still, yeah. Do you see what I mean? That's seven years ago. Um, so, so I think for me, in the when I started out, like success would have looked like ma- matching that salary or earning, 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 earning more than that. But for your own pocket rather than someone else's. Uh, for my own pocket, right? Exactly, for my own pocket rather than somebody else's. 
And I would say I worked out after about 90 seconds of my first day of being an entrepreneur that earning that money was a very, very long way off. Uh, so you have to quickly change your perception of what uh, success looks like. And for me in the early days, it was like not having to go back to work in three months' time, then not having to go back to work in a six months' time. And then I remembered when I earned £500 and I was like, £500, pay rent type thing. Yeah. And so you, I, think it's, I think it's really important for entrepreneurs, but also people at the start of their career to like try and define what success is going gonna, is gonna to look like for them. Um, so what, what does success look like for you? I think it, I think it amounts to, to, to more than one thing. And I think it looks like two ways forward. It looks like one that means that you can um, look after your family, make sure that they've got everything that they need. And that feels like some sort of success um, because you can make sure that you've got a happy home and your kids get what they need to, to, to move forward in life and your, you know, your wife, and your family and your dogs and everything gets, gets fed and looked after. And I think that's a form of success, although I'm not sure that what you see on Instagram, LinkedIn, and, and the business world in general would uh, would include that in the no. list. I think it would be near the bottom, in yeah. the list of 10, which is sad, it should be at the top. But I also think, uh, for me, success is in seeing something that you've done affect more than somebody's p and I think if you can... If you can get involved in a project or a business or a situation where what you're doing actually affects people's lives in a positive way, uh, culture, society, the environment, and I'm, I'm not trying to sound like a hippie here, no, no, no. But, but I think um, there comes a point where you you know you look at the world in particularly from you know from, from within the walls of an agency, you know agency get awards because of eyeballs. Um, because of you know traffic, because of uh, sales that they've created, because of awareness that they've created, and, and quite rightly, you know, because that's what they get paid to do. But I remember being in you know for so long in that world and, and seeing success based on how many more of those of our clients sold, or how many more of those of our of our clients sold. And it comes a point where you think, wait a minute, hang on, just one second. You look at all the energy that exists in a creative agency. You look at the writers, the planners, the, the people who write codes, the strategists, and you think, wait a minute, can't we just apply this to something in a better way? Isn't the even if it's only some of the time? And my most successful, I guess, professional projects, in my own view, are not the ones that have built sales for a client. They're the ones that have had some more meaningful effect on on all of those things I mentioned, life, culture, environment, those sustainability, those kind of things I think become increasingly important to you when you can see past, okay, just the PL. Yeah. Interesting. My mate asked me about this at the weekend, I'm having a chat with him. Uh, he said to me, uh he's uh I'm his best man at his wedding. Oh well, I would do loads of work for him for notes, you can imagine. And, he's, and he said to me like, <laughs> he, he, he said to me, oh, you know, uh, you know, he said like, you know, I bet you never thought that we'd both end up blah, 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 this and you doing all, all, all this, all this work for free. And I pulled his leg about sending him an invoice. 
like a real invoice. You know, you want to watch Ali talking, you'll get a real invoice. And he, he turned around and he actually said to me, he said, I've known you my entire life. He said, I know that you think it's a privilege to be able to do my work for nothing because I'm your mate. And I said, yeah, it is. And he said, that's what success means to you, doesn't it? It's like if your uncle or your auntie or someone you know rings you up and says, can you help me out with this? He said, yeah, no problems. Won't charge you, it's fine. I, like, I never would have said seven years ago that I would feel successful when your mate rings you up and says, my website's knackered, can you just sort it out? I say, yeah, do it. Someone here will look after that for you. Yeah. And there's no charge because yeah. not everything's about raising. And that's the same, isn't it? And it's yeah. like, for when you think about like all the success that we've delivered for our biggest client or our biggest customer, when I tell my mum, my mum's just proud that I can help my mates out, like she ain't bothered about however many million pounds worth of sales we generated yeah. for whoever. She's just like, oh, you're getting on with Soul Man's free website. You're like, yeah, Soul Man's free website. He seems to get loads of customers and he doesn't pay any money for it. And your mum's like, I would never have thought that seven years ago. No, I, I think it's, it, it. I think maybe it's a, I don't know, a generational thing as you move through the stages of your career and you begin to kind of think, wait a minute, can I affect other things? Can I affect more uh, holistic things? Can I affect more cultural, societal things yeah. than just, you know, just creating more sales for yeah. a client? And, you know, I've, I've worked with some of the biggest retailers in the UK and it it's great to help them sell things. But, you know... That's good, but there's the, then you begin to see past that and think, wait a minute, and a, a small startup comes into you that's that's got um, that's got a fantastic kind of ethical standpoint. It's got sustainable uh, beliefs and processes and product, and you think, wait a minute, I'd much rather help them to grow and succeed than I would to put more hundreds of thousands of pounds of sales on a major retailer. Yeah. We had to. It might sound a bit naive, and it might sound a bit, a bit hippified, but but I, I've, I've just got to say it like it is. That building a startup that's the right kind of business and helping them with their brand and, their, and to launch a product and to grow and communicate is far more satisfying, and therefore when it works. It feels like a greater success. Yeah, I think you'd only get that answer from a northerner as well as opposed to a southerner. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. I mean, we stopped doing work in London. We stopped. Doing, I've stopped taking clients in London because I'm sick of feeling like the plucky northerner when I get when I get down their offices and oh, here he is from the north. I'm from the middle to be precise. Just it is still north of Watford. Wearing shoes, not eating children. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I always say to myself. Oh, they're only angry. Yeah, I'm like, they're only angry because their entire house is the same size as my stock cupboard uh, uh, in the office. That's why they're angry. One of the things you spoke about is diversity of thought. I'm really interested in doing uh, some work with a executive search firm, so like 150, 200,000 plus a year board members, and one of the things that they've got on their new agenda is. Not diversity, but diversity of thought mm. in the big, in, big difference. In, yes, huge difference. It's just explain what you what your take is on the diversity of thought versus diversity. Mm. My, my my take on it is that I think you use it in its in its purest sense, and diversity is, is is to me another word for variety. And I think one of the things that I've seen um, that's had the most impact on me since 
exiting agency and being involved as a firstly as an independent uh, building brands with people and and then in this co-working space where there's lots of businesses from different sectors at different stages then it's amazing what you can learn from people from from outside your space and what different age different gender different different culture different stages of business different types of business what all of that brings and i think when you step into a space where you can you might you might involve a, an accountant in a creative process you might involve a, a startup founder in the branding process you might involve pers- someone from a personal branding agency in a design process and there's all kinds of ways that you can introduce different um, a variety of thinking and different levels and different approaches to things and i think diversity of thought is a kind of encompasses that approach to things for me because existing in an agency was amazing however the agency focused essentially on retail so there's a behavior and there's a culture and there's a you know this whole thing of, of you know consumerism and targeting the right consumer audience and you you get into a way into a into like a consciousness yeah. stream in yeah. the way you think of how you talk to people and how you approach people and you step outside and you find yourself surrounded by all these people from different aspects and different sectors and at different stages and it massively affects the way you look at things and how you think and for me it also takes the it takes the straitjacket off the word creative because it's been kind of claimed by people who are graphic designers or web builders or yeah. you know social media content creators or copywriters but but it, it belongs to everybody and to me that's when you are when you think about diversity of thought that's when you make creativity uh, I guess open source. Yeah, I can see that. I agree with that as well. That's how I <clears throat> how I view it. I, I, I agree. It's massively that. changed my thinking in the last in the last two years, more than I ever thought it would. I was literally looking at a website the other day that that that's just gone live that we that, that we've done, and a guy from a completely separate sector, completely separate industry, walked up behind me and said, "Oh, can I have a look?" and Normally, in the you know, in the context of that conversation, it would be like, yeah, you can have a look, but you know, just yeah, yeah, and then go away and sit down. But no, he 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 had really really valuable things to say that we will act upon because you have to accept that people from a more diverse professional background and cultural background and industry background can actually bring something valuable rather than saying, no, 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 this is our sector, we're expert, we know what we're doing, we don't need your advice or your opinion. But it's actually, it's amazing when you when you open up your head to that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm the market... Transformational. Yeah, I mean, I'm the market director of a recruitment company. I mean, I know nothing about recruitment, absolutely nothing. I just give them a completely different perspective yeah. on it, other than just moving bums on seats. Uh, it's a lot more than that. Like, they do a lot more than moving bums on seats, but I know nothing about recruitment at all. Literally nothing. I know how to market, but I don't know anything about recruitment. They've, I sit there as a sort of a very different dimension. I, I had, a, I had a mind-blowing experience a couple of years ago where um, a, a friend of mine who's, who's something to do with Salford University, 
and they're setting up a new program which is which is based on the human centered design and so first of all i had to think okay let, let me fully first understand what that is <laughs> I, I spent a, i spent time trying to understand what that actually meant and then i went to um i went to they asked me to go and sit, sit around a table with a group of other people to talk about how the program could be shaped bringing an opinion from i guess you know the design industry the creative industry but sat around that table were engineers uh was a doctor there was some sort of scientist way way too brainy for me to even understand what it, you know what he was there was someone from social media there was someone from the university uh, infrastructure there was someone that had helped actually create a lot of the programs within the university yeah there must have been like 20 people around the table from all different walks of life from from about six or seven different countries that have all been brought together to talk about this program that the university are going to set up and it was a it was a mind-boggling experience to listen to all the different points of view and you know this one guy drawing them all together to create a program at that university that 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 no other university has and it was amazing that if they just designed that within themselves it wouldn't have been anything like the way it formed because they were bringing they were willing to bring in all these other people and opinions and that kind of set a precedent for me that one meeting changed how I how I look at any creative project because now I I I'm I love to bring in different people from different different aspects, different different stages, different sectors to contribute to a project. And do you think that uh given the fact that you've had quite a lengthy career, do you think taking those and that as an example That's uh, a second ageist remark. It's not ageist. <laughs> you've had a longer you've had a longer career than these two. So spirit so what fourteen months into a career and that's what you seven I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah. So look, in comparison to these two, it's times what twenty five. Um, do you think that like so you, as your career develops in the creative industry, the challenge is to stay creative, isn't it? It's yeah. like to stay within it, understand what's on trend right now, and you know, even even in my capacity. Uh, here, you know, I don't, I very, you know, I very rarely get in at like the coal level where you know you're making the ads or you're doing something. But you still got to know what's going right. on, and actually, that's what is ultimately your uh, in the creative sphere space. If you want to go to, you know, get into top of your director, uh, you've got to stay motivated to. Um, you've got to stay motivated to stay creative. So, what tips would you, uh, or is is that you know is is that if you answered it is that is it bringing in those things broadening your experiences what what is it that you've used to keep yourself creatively motivated throughout the years I, th- i think i actually think that there's a there's a there's a real design fault in in i don't know if it's all human beings or possibly just me but i think that the learning process is, is when they when they program you to learn they put it in upside down because when i was 14 15 or 16 the last thing i wanted to do was to be in a lesson at school Yeah. Now my appetite for learning is like I can't I can't get enough. I wish that had been the other way around, but it wasn't. But I, I can't get enough, so I I listen, I read, I uh I I I 
meet people, I discuss things, I do things like this. So my appetite for understanding and learning is is greater than it's ever been. And I don't know, it, it, it does feel upside down, but, but, but that's it. And so I love technology. Um, I love what technology can do. I love uh, the new platforms that technology is allowing people to use to express and create and communicate. And I think you have to have an appetite for that. And, it, it, you know, it, it, it's fascinating. Even if you think, okay, everybody watches Netflix. Everyone does. And it's possibly one of the most creative platforms on the planet. It's amazing. From it, you know, from, from what it serves you to how it serves it to you, to, to its branding, to its behavior. It's amazing. And so, you know, people who don't think they're involved in technology and they don't think that they're using technology, then they are. Because, mm. you know, you, you go on Netflix, you're using technology. And, you know, that's a thin end of an extremely fat wedge. You know, we've all, we're all carrying smartphones around. We're all, we're all completely locked into that. And I think some of us more than most are fascinated by what it allows you to do. And, and I, my fascination for it is, is as great, if not greater than ever. So it's kind of like that. I think what you're saying, it's kind of like you, you feed your thirst to learn. It's kind of like it is all there for you. you but just it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. It, it kind of it feeds your thirst, but your thirst is created by the possibilities it offers. And once you're kind of plugged into that stream, it's, it's like, you know, you just want more. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I stay in the space because... The space fascinates me and yeah. I love it. I saw like some insane, insane stat a while ago that said if Twitter was a country, I can't remember the stat exactly, but it's something like it'd be the fifth biggest country. Facebook's one. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. Facebook would be so the biggest. How underutilized are those platforms yeah. in actually creating positive change in the world instead of just letting people, okay, show me your dinner, see you've been on holiday, have a rant about Boris Johnson. I mean, there's so much more that those platforms could be used for and and could do. So we've spoken about um, education. It's interesting we share a very similar view on that. Yes, very similar view. And it's I've been watching quite a lot of stuff recently. It's like if you spend an hour scrolling, at least make it worth scrolling through something you want to learn, as opposed to just something that's to pacify your attention. And that's 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 that is a big issue, which we're dealing with and I've recently took on this allotment so you can imagine my feet's just full of <laughs> fertiliser yeah and not the type of fertiliser you might think about like playing with your soil and chopping your apple tree and how to uh, well man the other day how to dig the perfect trench for your elongated polytunnel flat who'd have, right? that, who'd have thought that was a thing but... weirdly I'm, I'm, I'm working at the moment with a startup that's developing um, fabric technology for um, vertical farming so that yeah that, so goes up the, as opposed to out. yeah so yeah, the yeah, people yeah. who are doing it can actually monitor the quality of the soil and the roots yeah. without digging the plants up yeah. and I'm learning a whole yeah. it's opened my head to a whole thing I didn't I've got to be honest I'd heard the term vertical farming but didn't know what it was yeah I know what vertical farm is, but yeah, it, the point is, it's it, 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 just that change of interest. It's gone from digging it over to like that, but just, it changed my feed. I've seen allotment stuff, completely different set of people, completely different set of yeah, stuff it's brilliant. to learn. And like, you know, just that's 
that is a first for learning and a, and a, and a first for knowledge You like to say, he's applied it to the technology. Work out how the technology works the best get it to serve you to learn if you're thirsty for learning. And, and it's it's actually quite easy from from that point forward. Yeah, uh, it's really straightforward. Um, so what, what I think looking at the looking at a creative career, uh, what advice would you give someone uh, looking to get into a creative career at graduate level or someone looking to swap into a creative career? What advice would you give someone that trying to get into the industry, get a creative I, industry? I think if you if you just kind of refer back to everything you've been saying in the last five or ten minutes about use of technology, I think it makes every individual extremely um, visible to potential employers, um, to an industry, to, to, to peer groups. So I think that one thing anyone looking to get into the creative industry needs to consider and consider carefully is to create um, a point of interest in, in what they do in social media space so that people can actually understand that they have an enthusiasm and an interest because whether it's the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do, employers, potential employers, prospective employers will take a look at you because basically you, you've opened that window, you've, you know, you've pulled back that blind and said, here I am, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, I might be on LinkedIn. Then be on there in such a way that looks like you are taking an interest and projecting uh, an ambition into, into the space you want to work in, I think is, a, is, a, is one thing. That, that is really important and I, you know I'll go back to what we were talking about earlier where I think people need to understand that they can keep an open mind about the direction that they want to take in the industry and they should keep an open mind I think that's been seen as something like okay focus on this okay maybe in the short term but it's not necessarily you know the 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 end game. It's not it's not the long term goal that you have to stay in that space. And I think, I think it's a real kind of, it's a real mental shift for for people, young people want to get into an industry. I think it's got so many aspects. It's got so many possibilities that they need to understand that they're all available. I really do think that. I think yeah. it's massively important. Do anything I would add. Into that, in terms of like getting into the industry, is if someone keeps gives you a piece of advice, take it. Like, and what I mean by that is, is like we'll get people that will send us a black and white CV, and I email them back and I say, your CV is really boring. You're applying for a creative role. This is the first thing I'm gonna see on how creative you can be. Yeah, make your CV creative. You can extend that into, I mean, I, I don't know whether you have interns or your work experience, but the, my experience of that um, over time has been that there's two types of people. There's a type of people who say, you know, I want, I want work experience because someone's told you you've got to have work experience because it's on your curriculum, so you need to claim some work experience. And so you rock up somewhere, you get inside an agency or, you know, you get inside a design studio and you kind of sit there and, you know, they tell you to make the tea or they tell you to do the photocopying or they, you know, they tell you to, to go and or just watch what he's doing. And you accept that and you sit there and passively, you know, you go through your three weeks and someone signs the things to say that you turned up every time, you know, every day on time and you were well mannered and you made great tea. And uh, we wish you all the luck in the future. There's those people. Then there's the other people and the other people come in and they're like, 
actually, can I try that? Can I try this? Is there any chance are you, you know, is there, is, is there a video shoot going on over there? Can I, you know, can I get involved in that? Can I see what you're doing? Can I try this? Can you give me a design project? Can I help with that? And those people you think, no, wait a minute, we've got something here. And I think, is that, is that a consequence of confidence and upbringing? Or is it a, con a consequence of not really having enough self-belief when you go into a space to actually think, I could actually make an impression in here. And I think, I think somehow I think the education system needs to tell people that, that when you have an opportunity, if you get an internship or you get work experience, make the most of it. Yeah, go for it. Ask questions. Be a, be a, be a pest. Be a pain in the arse. Ask people questions. Say, yeah, I'll make you tea, but I want to see this first. Say, yeah, I really want to go and carry the kit. They're going out to, they're going out to shoot a video on a beach in Wales. I, they need more pairs of hands to carry the kit. I'm going to jump in the van. I'm going to go with you. I'm going to do that. You know, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch you code this part of the website. I'm gonna, I want to get involved. Those are the people that kind of stick, and you know, they build themselves a, a kind of. A persona and it's the same if, if you then think okay if, if, if you're the head of an agency and you see this person behaving that way and you think wow you know there's something going on here I'm just going to have a look at this person see if they're on Instagram see you know see if they're on Facebook what kind of person they are and there's a little bit of something in there as yeah. well and the two things locked together you think okay if it's an opportunity this person's getting a job yeah you create that <clears throat> create the opportunity for yourself through <clears throat> sort of like displaying the right attitude yeah and what um what personal, I think creative industry is really, create the creative industry <clears throat> over any other industry. It's like my mate, he's an accountant, a really good accountant. He says he can do sexy things with spreadsheets. His career at PwC, it, it was very mapped out, as in... <clears throat> yeah. They have, they have things called line managers. He's very mapped like. out. Like, <laughs> he, he knew when he started that he had three years of doing X. If he went to these networking events, this after work meet, this drink, that drink, scrap, did this, this was next, this was next. My mate's really successful. He's really high up at PwC. Uh, but he, 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 that blueprint was in place. And actually, they're kind of all on the same blueprint. Some leave the there's only ever going to be one top of PwC, but you can be PwC Birmingham, PW, yeah, he's, he's PwC Birmingham. <clears throat> the creative <clears throat> industry is really weird because you all generally start off as creatives and then leaders are formed, for want of a better description, because you all, are, all actually start off at a base level of being, oh, I want to make something, I want to be involved in, you know, you've said coding, graphic design, you know, videography. So you, you've gone in on that that base level of being creative. And then creative businesses need leaders because not everyone can be creative because that don't work either where everyone's just no, working around. So it's interesting here, we, we, we've got kind of like a good model where we've got like, oh, this person's a fabulous creative, this person's <clears throat> showing leadership intent. And you try and give them a bit of balance uh, where you don't completely strip out 
their creativity because they're early in their career. But you also say, do you know what? You are showing promise at like that's having fine. responsibility. We're, we're, that, that, that's when people start to channel and find a sweet spot. Yes. And that's when people really flourish, I think, when it, they find. But I think, you know, the, the question about leadership is that a business has to have leadership that allows that. That, that allows people to you know to, to, to channel and find that sweet spot and really do what they what they're good at and what they love to do because usually that's the same thing yeah do you think there's a personality <clears throat> do you think it's a, a is there a specific personality trait <clears throat> that creative people have that can become in leaders in the creative space or do you think it's more like someone spotting it in you Wow, I always think if you you know those little rubber balls that that you throw and they bounce off everywhere. I think I think if you if you took a handful of those and threw them into a room, and they're all flying about everywhere, that's a creative agency yeah. with no direction, leadership, maybe financial control. Um, you know, there's that that it would just be chaos. <laughs> it was yeah, and, you know, it would be chaos. Yeah. And, you know, as one of those rubber balls, I'm not. You know, I'm not. I'm not afraid to admit that it would be pandemonium. You have to have, you know, sensible grown-up people who can manage what you're doing into, you know, into into a world of meaningful earning money and 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 you know, functioning for clients. So, I think it's you know, it's that classic left brain, right brain thing. You know, there are people who are good at that, and there are people who are good at that. And I think one of the mistakes, and you know, I, I, I've seen this firsthand. One of the mistakes people make is that there's a creative director that clients love, clients want to work with, full of ideas, creates good outcomes for the client. We'll we'll, we'll promote him in the business and make him a director of the business. He becomes a director of the business. He's like, I've I've lost what I was the ability to do what I was really good at, and I don't know what the hell I'm doing sitting in a boardroom. I, I don't. You might know I'm, I'm speaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, personal experience. That's exactly that's exactly where we are as a business now. It's kind of like you have created people. The business has grown. The type of clients it's got has grown, and then with you get different clients, they expect a certain level of sort of like structure, administration, a certain way of being dealt with. And then you sort of, I mean, like, you have to sort of, in my position now, you're having to like look at it and go, I'm going to have to move somebody to support these new customers because they're going to expect to see a level of, a level of service. And like, I'm not saying that they didn't have the service level before, it's that's what the expectation is for working at the very so you, yeah. it, it comes down to that sort of you've got to juggle your juggle your team and be like, I know you're really good at making this stuff, but I just need you to also be like really professional over here and just for like a couple of hours a week just deal with this person and like, yes sir, no sir, free or whatever it might be. Oh really? I'm like, yeah, I don't, it would be a massive and like that's because that we've got a a cloud customer from a big cloud customer. They don't particularly, this is their first venture into a creative agency. And you're like, they're going to think we're all bonkers if we're not careful. They're going to think we're all completely, because they're all like, 
what like yeah you know like there's just dogs flying around everywhere don't, just don't worry about it they're like everywhere you know, there's about five dogs that can come in it and they don't get it so it's, a, it's an interesting transition that we're at, like and it's about not removing the creativity but just making sure it's presented in a way where you don't actually scare somebody off that's wow. not from that space i also think it's massively important that that I mean, it, it depends on the scale of, of the agency. I mean, I was talking to a friend of mine who has a digital agency in, in Liverpool a while ago, and he was saying that he he was a very hands-on in, in the agency, and he loved to do what he did, and he's you know he's really really good at it. And he said to me, There's, there, "There are like critical mass points." He said, "We we started out with an agency with eight people in it." He said, "It was a blast." He said, "We were but we were working ridiculous hours, you know." 12 hours, 12, 14 hour days, seven days a week. And it, you know, couldn't, couldn't sustain the pace. So we grew. So we went from eight to 12. And he said, when you get to 12, you can still enjoy it. You can still do it. He said, and then we doubled. We went from 12 to 25. He said, and I suddenly found that what I was good at, I wasn't doing that anymore. And I was trying to be good at being the manager of a 25 strong company. And he said, I was crap at it. Yeah. So he said, what I actually did was went back again and downsized to 12. He said, and I'm back now really delivering good product for great clients. I'm really enjoying myself again. He said, I'm, I'm never, he said, people say to me, you're going to grow the business. I'm not a chance. Yeah. And I think, I mean, the agency that I was part of at its, at its maximum, there was 185 people and I'm not a person manager, I'm not a people manager, but there were people in the business that were. And so they did that and they did it brilliantly. But where where the the kind of the dilemma for me was then reaching that kind of board level and leaving behind the things that had taken me to that level and I wanted that back. Yeah. And I have it back now. And so it feels better. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> I can see that. So they're, you know, they're, they're doing a brilliant job and they continue to do a great job because they've got people, they're of a size where they've got people managing that size of company. Yeah. That's just not me. Yeah, yeah. And, so it, and it, I think that's a question that, like not all businesses get to the point where they employ eight people, not all businesses become that big. There's very few actually, but in the grand scheme of all the ones that have set up. And I think... You, that's definitely something that I've asked myself. Like, yeah, like, how many people do I actually want to be responsible? Or is for? there a point at which, as a leader, you have to bring in another leader to lead you because then things can still. Yeah, I like actually, I, I, you know, you're correct. And actually, like, I've uh, done that exercise, probably you probably did it a hundred times with yourself at Christmas. You sit there and you go, well, what actually do I want to do? Like, what am I good at? What do I bring the most value to the business doing? And more importantly, is that the most profitable thing for you to do for the company? Because I suppose when you're a leader, you also have to admit that maybe the thing that you want to do the most, you're not actually the best at, and it's not the most profitable. And you've got to actually do the thing that you don't want to do because that's but that's actually profitable. So, you know, and, I, and I've, 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 I've done that exercise with myself and I've, and I've looked at that with my board. And... You know, we've identified where what I should be doing 40 hours a week within reason. And then, like, the, to take the business to the next level, 
And then the next bit is putting the components in around me so I can do that for 40 hours a week. And I mean, I'm good at selling. But sometimes that might be someone above you. Uh, yeah, and it could be, it could be, it could be, it could be, it could be. Or to the side of you. Yeah, or the side of me. But if it was somebody above me, it would be based on the knowledge that like, it would still be my business, but if the business felt that they needed somebody to come in and have that, or I found that we needed that structure, you'd go for it, because actually, ultimately, you'd make ladder. Often, so often, a consequence of scale, isn't it? It is, yeah. I mean, the agency that I was part of, when I joined it, I was the 25th member of the agency. But, you know, over over the course of the next few years, we, we grew that agency rapidly, and, you know, we established... we. Um, a base in London and a base in Mumbai and you know that was that that took some doing but through that process and more latterly I realized that actually I was never really able to be in the spaces I wanted to be in where I could do my best work and stepping outside I've now realized that actually without that infrastructure around me I can pull in people that like that I need like I might need a social media agency, I'd call you. You know, I might need a brilliant videographer. I, I know like four or five who are just incredible. I'll get the one I think is right for that project. And so you can behave like a like you know like a satellite. Yeah. And I, I think, if I'm honest, I think that's probably the new agency model moving forward. I think small agencies that pull in rather than big agencies that staff up. I think I think the world has changed, and I think yeah. the smaller model that uses people that can be drawn in for, for particular reasons and for particular abilities. Because it's like, if you, if you look at, if you, I'm using video as an example. If you look at video, people say to you, okay, we need to make a video. And you, you sit within an agency, and that agency has a video team. So you have to use that video team. If you don't sit within an agency and you think, okay, we want this client wants me to make a video, what kind of video do they want me to make? Well, there's five videographers over there who I know and love, and I know that one makes this kind of video. I love that decision better. Yeah, I do. I do. I, do, I think that the client, the clients are demanding. Even if you're not a big, even if you are a big agency, I think the clients are demanding a more personalised. Yeah. Uh, uh, service from the agency. I mean, I know for a fact that our two biggest customers could pretty much afford to go with any agency that they wanted to go with, but they like the fact that they can send us a WhatsApp and we're nimble enough to go sorted. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and that's what they selected us on. Which they, is amazing. They selected us on that basis. Yeah. It's like they, you know, they've got. I mean, one of them's marketing department is bigger than our company. So when when we first started with them. They had more in the marketing department than we had staff, which we were like, wow, they're going with us and they've got more, their department's bigger than our agency, but they wanted that nimble, flexible, responsive service. Yeah. And what they wanted was, Personal. can you sort this ad out by the end of today? No probs, sorted. As opposed to three weeks later, emailing back saying, apologies, I didn't see that, and it's gone. Uh, so yeah, there's, there, uh, but I think that's like the shift in the, that's like the shift in the world, isn't it? That the digital platforms have brought us. So that completes this episode of Spotlight with. Don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe, and we'll see you really soon for some more episodes.